Your fever is high and the pressure to log in at work is too. But when you finally decide to take care of you, there's Instacart. Just because that one perfect coworker of yours is attending all meetings, camera on while she's sneezing, coughing, and aching, doesn't mean you have to do the same. Take it from us. Trying to stay on top of things will only get you further behind. Instead, get everything from tissues and teas to cough suppressants and comforting soups delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. If anyone needs anything, they can just redirect their questions to that one perfect coworker. Worker of yours. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns and Foster, Temper Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60 month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Now back to the kickoff show with Larry Kruger and Lorenzo Neal on 95.7 The Game. Sponsored by Jim Beam Bourbon Whiskey. Taste the world's number one bourbon. And by Harris Ranch Beef. Legendary beef, legendary quality. Welcome back to the kickoff show. Larry Kruger and Lo Neal here at the Santa Clara Hilton. The free tailgate party going on and will be going on throughout, throughout the season for all the home games. And, of course, the kickoff show, as you just heard, brought to you by Harris Ranch and Jim Beam. The great Tim Jordan on the controls. Chris and Cameron running the show back at the mothership here on 95.7 The Game. I'm sitting here next to the future Hall of Fame all-pro fullback Lorenzo Neal, and joining us on the guest line is J.D., John Dickinson, who was out at Niner practice on Friday and was there for the uh, McCaffrey presser. And before we get to uh, McCaffrey and, and Friday and the Niners and all the headlines, you know, J.D., uh, Lowe brought up a question right before we took the time out, and the question was, why are Niner fans seemingly obsessed with this notion that Kyle Shanahan, who's been to two of the last three NFC Championship games, who's taken this team to a Super Bowl, would be on some proverbial hot seat. Um, and and I, you know the old saying, if your premise is wrong, by definition, your conclusion is wrong. And there were people saying, you know what? How do you let a coach on the hot seat trade four draft picks uh, for a running back? And it's like, because he's not on the hot seat, because you've made up this entire hot seat uh, notion altogether. But what, what's your read on it? Because it's not just select media. There actually are a big group of fans who are in that camp that, like, you know, Kyle's on his way out. No, there, there's no hot seat. I mean, that is the correct answer. And really, we're probably a year and, and a half away from there being a hot seat, to be perfectly honest. If you just look at the timeline of you got this season that, that needs to play out where the 49ers are going to play it out without Trey Lance, who was the starting quarterback going into this season. So now Trey Lance has to come back. And, and look, I think the 49ers are still going to make the playoffs this season, if not win the NFC West. And then we'll see what happens once they get in. But But making the playoffs will be a successful enough season to where there will be no modicum of a hot seat going into 2023. And then he's going to get the 2023 season to see where Trey Lance is. And, and even if you want to say that the worst case scenario were to play out and, and Trey Lance looks like, you know, not a bona fide starting quarterback by the end of next season, meaning 2023, that would only 
put Shanahan on the hot seat, let's say maybe going into 2024, or at that point, I think you'd have two years left on his contract. So a decision would have to be made anyway at that point with a year to go. Does he, does he finish out the lame duck last year or do you extend him? So, so no, there, there isn't a hot seat and there won't be a hot seat until probably two years from now, about 23 months when you just look at, at the calendar and the structure of this team, unless, and, and I will allow for one, unless, you know, th- this team wins, you know, two or three games between now and the end of the year and, and they do it again next year. I mean, th- then it's a problem, but I don't think anybody thinks that's going to happen. No, I couldn't agree with you more, JD. Jay, when you, when you look at this team, we're talking about for that not to happen. Let's talk about today, so the, you know, playing against the Chiefs. How do you look at this matchup, and what is one of the things that you want to see this Niner team do today? Yeah, I, I, great news, by the way, just just first of all, on the uh, inactive report with the inactives coming out uh, just a few moments ago, 49ers getting healthy in a big-time way. Already knew Trent Williams and, and Nick Bosa were going to play. Obviously, Jimmy Ward uh, going to play with the small cast, McGlinchey and Ebicom. Those guys were already in. And, and we knew about Christian McCaffrey was, was going to play. He is officially active, but but Bosa ready to roll. Dante Johnson's inactive, so Traverius Ward and Hufunga are, are active as well. So clearing the, the concussion protocol, and it sounds like Traverius Ward is going to give it a go, which I think really helps the 49ers. I mean, they're, they're a lot healthier than they were last week in Atlanta, uh, exponentially more healthy. So I think that gives the 49ers a, a better chance. But uh, look, the, the Niners are going to have to, uh, you know, they're going to have to shore up, I think, the, the, the run defense, number one. But, but the truth is the Chiefs throw it a ton. And, and so you, you have to wonder, you know, if maybe the Chiefs style of play lets the 49ers off the hook. But, but to me, it's you want to keep Mahomes in the pocket, uh, and and try and, and collapse the pocket and and get to him, put pressure on him where he's you know throwing some awkward throws from in the pocket, not escaping and throwing as he's prone to do, where, where he'll make some big plays. I think you got to take Kelsey away. I think you got to bracket Kelsey uh, because he's the third down guy and he's the touchdown guy. And so I, I think you got to take him away and, and try and make Mahomes beat you with maybe some lesser receivers, hopefully under pressure from the pocket. And then on the other side, uh, I, I think you know this is another one of these games where uh, the 49ers might have to be throwing it early in an attempt to come back and run it later. And that's even with Christian McCaffrey in, in the fold, who, who I would expect – you know, third downs are, are going to be big for McCaffrey, and and red zone I think would be big for McCaffrey if you're going to you know hunt and peck which plays that that he's going to be out there for. Uh, it, it's interesting when uh, you know today is is Jim Harbaugh's return. Uh, they're honoring the uh, the team that won the NFC Championship and lost ultimately to the Ravens in the Super Bowl. Um, Harbaugh forty four nineteen and one in his tenure with the Forty ers and it, you know I think it probably ended more because of personality conflicts than anything. And then you got Shanahan who inherited a really bad football team, and because of it is probably uh, that's probably the number one reason that he's still sub five hundred at forty two and forty five. They both went to a Super Bowl um, and lost it uh, as the head coach of the 49ers. If I say Shanahan and Harbaugh, is, do you look at one as superior to, a, to another? How would you compare uh, the two coaches? How would you compare the two eras? They're, they're so similar, I think, in terms of the, the success level. They both had a, a tremendous amount of success in the playoffs, 
and without winning a Super Bowl. I mean, you you look. It's really difficult to have a winning playoff record as a head coach and and not win a Super Bowl. And and both of these guys were were able to do it. You look at Shanahan four and two overall, and the 49ers were winning playoff games every year. That's the only way you get to the NFC Championship game and, and to the Super Bowl. So so similar in in that fact they both want to play tough-minded physical football in their own way run first I think the one difference is just the regular season success and you know you guys remember it going back to 2011 coming off the lockout when when Jim Harbaugh took over and they had drafted Colin Kaepernick and and that obviously was going to be his guy but there wasn't necessarily a plan in place for who the who the quarterback was going to be in that 2011 year. You know, everybody thought that Alex Smith was just going to get cast aside, and and Harbaugh you know, made do with what he inherited, and and really, I think showed the early signs of salvaging. He salvaged Alex Smith's career with, with the fact that, that he was able to play effective football in that 49er system, and they were able to win. And then I think Andy Reid took it to a little bit of another level for Alex once he ended up in Kansas City. But, but he took a quarterback that had done nothing Right. In, in the first six years and made him into a, a capable, passable, winning quarterback with a great defense and, and, and a running game. So I think Harbaugh, you know, a lot of people weren't thinking highly of that team going into that year. A lot of talent on the defensive side, but but he cobbled together what was six and ten and turned it into 13 and three in an NFC championship game and and a hell of a lot of regular season success, except for the last five games. I mean, they were even seven and four on Thanksgiving in his final year. So I think that's the real difference when you start to, to look at the two. And, and Shanahan's better at playing office politics than Harbaugh was. I mean, that's the other major difference. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> which I think, low is why he's been able to, to ride out a little bit of the ups and downs better than, than Harbaugh was able to. I couldn't agree with you more, J.D. When you think about what, what Harbaugh was able to do, and let's get back on, on what this team has to do. Can you see Kansas City trying to establish a running game? You saw the way Atlanta, are they just built different? Because Atlanta just was beat San Francisco 49ers at their own game, was just too physical. Do you see Kansas City trying to take a, a, that, that, and add that to their, their, their repertoire today? Yeah, you, we talked about all the guys that are playing. The 49ers still are, are, are in a tough spot in the middle of the defensive line, which, which absolutely makes them vulnerable to, to the running game. And I think that's maybe one of the weaknesses anyway uh, of this 49ers defense, although it is different when Armstead and, and Kinlaw are in there. But, but it, it just isn't how Andy Reid and the Chiefs typically operate. So I think it'll be interesting if, if they go against the grain and, and go match up specific a little bit more and and try and, and establish the, the the run uh in an attempt to, to come back to Mahomes and and do the Niners you know I think a lot of it is do they take Kelsey away and I I think so much of this game comes down to guys third downs as it always does and and red zone are you able to score touchdowns you know this this is the kind of game where if you're the Niners you're either going to have to keep the Chiefs out of the end zone, force them to kick some field goals, or you're going to have to score a few more touchdowns than we've been used to seeing this 49ers team be able to score. But I think there are some, there are some tendencies in terms of style of play that have the potential to, to favor the 49ers a little bit in that you know when they've had success against teams, you know, with a guy 
in the in the middle, like like Chris Jones or, or Aaron Donald. It's been the Niners who've been able to to put a couple of guys on him and run it at him. Do the Niners look to, to go that wet route and it allows them to run more effectively than than maybe they, they've been able to run at other times? And I think the flip side to that is do the Chiefs and their propensity to, to want to sling it all over the field without the deep threat that Tyreek Hill used to possess, does that maybe make them a little bit more defendable for the Niners, assuming they can keep Mahomes in the pocket and heat him up and, and, and take Kelsey away? It's a, it's a fascinating, fascinating matchup between two just uber-talented football teams. Yeah, there's no question, J.D. Kansas City's O-line has allowed a ton of pressure, so maybe the Niners can get some pressure on, on Mahomes. And you mentioned Kelsey. What a year he's having at 33. He's on pace for 116 catches and 20. 20 touchdowns, wow. and you know, last week against Buffalo, he lit him up. Eight catches, 108 yards. One more on McCaffrey from um, your perspective. Did the Niners overpay? Was it too high of a of a cost? A two, a three, a four in this next draft, a fifth in the following draft. I look at it as as just the price of doing business in the middle of the year when you're trying to out out you know bid a, a teams like Buffalo and the Rams for a Pro Bowl caliber player but what do you think there were an awful lot of people this week saying man that was a high price it was a high price I mean I I think you can say that but it still makes it worth it if it unlocks this offense and this team can get on a little bit of a roll and play more complimentary football than than they have to this point where they've just been so defense dependent you know defense has to be dominant defense has to even score points to, to win games uh, to this point. So if it, if it unlocks this season and, and they're able to, to make a run and, and get to an NFC Championship game or get back to a Super Bowl, then I think it, it helps in, in that vein and it becomes worth it. The, the other part of it is 2023. Uh, you know, you, you also have to look at Trey Lance and, and trying to make things a little bit easier on him once he takes over again as, as the starting quarterback. And, and now you start looking at, all right, you got Kittle and you got Debo and and Ayuk and now McCaffrey in the running game and and, and you know Elijah Mitchell in that fold too and and they're just it becomes a little more dynamic uh, for for Trey Lance next year. So I think you know if you're if you're win if you're good enough to win and I think the Niners think they have enough talent on this team to win this year and win next year, then you can you can maybe navigate the fact that you're not going to have a lot of picks because I also think guys, you may not have a lot of roster spots projected to, to right. be open next year for all these picks because you think you've got a pretty damn good football team that's that's coming right. back with guys that you've you've already paid low. And, and with that being said, JD, what does he bring to the table watching him at practice? What is what are you the hell's Cal Shannon going to unleash McCaffrey today without overusing him? What is he going to bring? What type of attitude and what type of dimension does he bring to the, this team? A little bit of everything, right? I mean, he, he's a great runner. He's somebody you can run between the tackles. He, he's somebody you can you can throw the ball to coming out of the backfield. He's somebody that you can split out as a, as a wide receiver. I know Shanahan loves having his eligible, you know, five receivers on any particular play or playmakers, you know, be able to, to just shuffle around. I mean, I, I think you're going to see all kinds of different dynamics, you know, and combinations as far as who's in the backfield, who's, who's lined out wide. I think you, you may see McCaffrey go out uh, as a receiver and Debo in the backfield as a, as a runner, you know, wow. at times. You may, you, you may see the opposite, but uh, I think it, it gives the defense – another you know, big-time player that they have to account for 
which I think will, you know, it means that somebody else is going to be open because if you got to direct other attention to, to McCaffrey, does that unlock Debo? Does that unlock Kittle? You know, is there a little bit more playmaking to where now maybe you don't have to, you know, you don't have to keep Kittle in as frequently to block, you know, and, and, and then he's able to go out and be more of a part of the passing game. To me, it's a, it's a combination of just more talent, opening things up for, for the other players to, to maybe make them a little bit less predictable and, and maybe a little less predictable in the running game. I think the Niners have become a little predictable uh, this year, and Kyle Shanahan's become a little predictable. Now he can unleash a little more of the, of the playbook and, and an opportunity to get a little bit more creative. Who's the team to beat in the conference now that the Niners have McCaffrey? And I bring this up, J.D., because I'm looking at the scores right now. Yeah. Panthers are beating the Buccaneers 14-0. The Commanders are beating Green Bay, who lost last week, 17-14. Dallas is, is leading Detroit, but only 10-6, and Detroit's got the ball. We thought the Falcons looked good last week. They're getting trounced in Cincinnati today. Are the Niners... Who I mean, would you say it's the Eagles? Would you say it's the Niners? Is it? I mean, is there another team I'm not thinking of? The Rams are the defending champion. Who's the team to beat in the conference going forward, in your opinion? Well, for now, I've got the Niners over the Rams, and I think the McCaffrey deal helps that. We'll, we'll see what the Rams do here in, in the next week or so as far as do, do they add anybody. They're always prone to, to do it. And, yeah, the Packers, they're just having an awful time moving the football. They, they've got 14, but one of them was a pick. Uh, one of those two touchdowns was a pick six. So their offense has just been dreadful uh, in, in the you know recent part of the uh, of the schedule here during their their losing skid, and I'm I'm just I think you have to give Philly the respect uh, that that comes with being six and zero until further notice. I'm a little intrigued by Minnesota at five and one, although it's not the most impressive five and one. And I think the Niners would believe if they match up with the Vikings that that they could they could put enough pressure on Kirk Cousins in a big game to to be able to win that. But their defense has come around some, and they've got a lot of offensive playmakers uh, all over the field. Whether it's Jefferson, you know, Dalvin Cook. I mean, they've got they've got some guys that that, that can make some plays. But I, I think right now it's Philadelphia, and 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 then maybe you draw a line, and it's Minnesota. Just given them their due for what they've done, and then I would throw everybody else in a group of. You know the Niners, Green Bay, Tampa, the three, the three and three disappointments, and and I do think you got to give the Giants a little bit of respect. But who's who's fearing them if you're if you're lining up against them <laughs> exactly. in, a, in a playoff game against Daniel Jones? I mean, nobody is at that point. So I think the Niners for being three and three, and I think to this point a disappointing three and three. They've got to feel really good about about where they're at in the context of the entire conference with with maybe one team to beat at this point in, in Philadelphia and a bunch of teams you think you're as good as or or maybe even better as right now. Good stuff, J.D. I, I, I'm taking the Niners on a, on a slight win today, like 27-24, but I, I got to be honest, I don't feel real confident about it. No, I I don't either. If and if you yeah, if you, if you had me pick it, I I'd, I'd say Chiefs today uh end up winning one, you know, I think 27-20, 28-20, something like that. I think a one-score game. I think the turnovers are, are what ultimately are going to determine this thing. I think if the, if the Niners can force a couple turnovers, I think that's their pathway to victory. If the if the turnovers are even or the Chiefs have an advantage, I think the Chiefs will have enough to to eke this one out and then it's on to the Rams. Good stuff, J.D. Thanks for checking in. 
All right, you got it, fellas. You're the best, Jay. John Dickinson checking in with us there. It's interesting because, honestly, you know, I feel more comfortable today than I did last week. Last week, I, I didn't feel comfortable when you can, because of the injuries that they had and you watch them the way that the, that matchup, I didn't feel comfortable last week. I think this week it's a good I think it's a good matchup for the Niners. I think because you're not playing a team that's going to try to beat you with physicality. They're going to try to beat you with finesse and try to beat you in the air. And the Niners, what do they do well? They get after the passer. That's what they do well. So you're playing it. You're, you, you got a team that likes to throw the ball, but you're playing against the strength of the Niners' strength of their, their defense. It's not a great run defense. It's a better pass defense. So that's why I like the Niners, and I think if they can get 24. First one to 24, I think wins this. I think the Niners can, if they can get to 24, I think that's the number. They have to score 24 points, and I think that they can keep them. That, that is, that's the bare minimum to four wins. I mean, the Niners have to commit to the run. I mean, they got away from the run last week, and they got to commit to the run. Um, you know, if you look at Kansas City, they, they've given up like a, almost 300 rushing yards the last two weeks. So, I mean, they're primed to be run on, but you got to stick with it. Yeah. And uh, I'm sure that will be some Christian McCaffrey today. Just looking at a few of the betting trends uh, that I think are kind of interesting. Kansas City is 1-5 against the spread in their last six games as a favorite. So that's one thing to consider. Wow. The 49ers are 5-0 and against the spread under Kyle Shanahan coming off of a loss. So both of those trends favor the 49ers. Now, uh, one other trend, since the start of the 2020 season, the 49ers are 8-6 as, as an underdog, and they're 13-15 and f- as a favorite. This is, that's straight up. So they actually have a better record as an underdog, low than they do as a favorite. Does right. that surprise you? It, it doesn't because they, they they play that way. Every time they're an underdog, it's just this team, they get up and they find a way to play. When they're a favorite, you saw last week, you know, they don't play. Sometimes they don't play to the level that, you, that they're capable of. And I think when you're playing against Kansas City, this is that get right. This is that revenge game. Team that beat you in a Super Bowl. Jimmy wants to play well. He wants to show that he can do some things. Look for this team to throw, throw, throw the ball down the field. I think that you're going to see Jimmy take some shots. I think the crowd, you got to, you're got playing at home. These Niner fans are going to be so loud today, and they're going to be freaking all over it. My guy's got the bright young jersey on out here, Chris walking. <laughs> this place is already getting hype. If you watch the fans and, and watch the energy that I think this stadium is going to bring, it's going to, I think that's going to be that difference. Crowd noise, stadium, getting loud, and it's just going to be a, that's going to be a great place of energy today. Couple other uh, trends to, to take note of. Jimmy G is 14 and 6 straight up, 16 and 4 against the number as an underdog in his NFL career. It's the best quarterback numbers as an underdog in the Super Bowl era. Wow. So this guy, Jimmy G, has been a tremendous, um, you know, winner as an underdog. Fourteen and six as an underdog. Now let's flip it over to Mahomes. Uh, Mahomes is 13, th- 13 t- uh, two and one against the spread all time as anything less than a three and a half point um, favorite. So that one's interesting. The reason I, I'm a little skeptical yeah. is the 49er opponents this year in the non-49er games are 9-17 and 17 combined, uh. and none of the teams that they have played this year are above 500. Wow. So now you're, take, now you're getting a Kansas City team that I think is one of the best teams in pro football. They might be right there with, with Buffalo as, as the, the creme de la creme in the NFL. 
Um, and so this is a step up in class. There's a lot of different ways for the 49ers to win. The Niners run it exceptionally well, and the Chiefs do not stop the run. And can the Niners commit to the run? That's a big question today. Uh, but it's going to be really interesting to see. This Chiefs defense is their Achilles heel. They've allowed, In fact, we'll get into the Chiefs. We'll do a little deep dive on the Chiefs coming up next. We're also going to update you on all the morning games. A number of surprise scores from around the NFL on the morning games. A bunch of games going on. And then we'll do a little deep dive on the Chiefs and give you our keys to victory. We're taking it to 112 today. we got a 125 kickoff. 49ers and Chiefs. It's week 7 action. And of course, we're brought to you by Jim Beam and Harris Ranch Beef. And we're here at the uh, Santa Clara Hilton. Stop by throughout the year. The tailgate party is fun. There's a lot of a lot of booze, a lot of drinks, a lot of food, people having a good time walking in. Perfect day for football today. The Niners and the Chiefs. And of course, he's Low Neal. I'm Larry Kruger, and this is 95.7 The Game. Now back to the kickoff show with Larry Kruger and Lorenzo Neal on 95.7 The Game. Sponsored by Jim Beam Bourbon Whiskey. Taste the world's number one bourbon. And by Harris Ranch Beef. Legendary beef, legendary quality. And welcome back to the kickoff show. Larry Kruger and Lo Neal here at the uh, at the Santa Clara Hilton right across from Levi's Stadium where we have the free tailgate party going on and we will for all the home games. And of course the kickoff show brought to you by Harris Ranch Beef and Jim Beam. It's the 3-3 three and three 49ers taking on the 4-2 and two Kansas City Chiefs. A little rematch of Super Bowl 54. And of course uh, you're listening to us on 95.7 the game and this is low the number one scoring offense in the nfl kansas city has uh against the number two scoring defense in the nfl in the 49ers um it's it's really interesting when you look at um some of the you know so we do a deep dive on on kansas city kansas city's biggest achilles heel this season has been their defense right they've allowed the most passing touchdowns in the league the six most passing yards the third most first downs and the second highest completion percentage in the nfl through the air this season uh both of kansas city's offensive tackles rank in the top 15 in the most pressures allowed. Uh, so that's that's uh, big Orlando Brown at left tackle yeah. and uh, Andrew Wiley at right tackle. Those guys are allowing pressures on a regular basis. Kansas City defensively is uh, 20th overall, 4th against the run, 27th against the pass. But the last two weeks, they've been a sieve against the run. Kansas City's given up 280 rushing yards the last two games. And I got to think that's a big part of the 49ers game plan today is, is um, you know, run the heck out of it. And then defensively, the Niners, number one overall defense, number two against the run, number two against the pass. The Niners have four defensive ends, Bosa, Drake Jackson, Samson Ebukam, and Charles Amenehue that each have at least three sacks. So the Niners' strength up front is D'Amico has great depth, great talent, and then they, they, they're playing some really well-schemed and thought-up uh, games up front with the stunt game. And then they're, they're sending extra blitzers off the edges and sometimes off the slot. 
um, in on third on key third downs, and they're giving opposing quarterbacks and offensive lines an awful lot to look at. The the normal way, you know, talking to all the Kansas City people, you don't want to blitz Mahomes. You don't want to give him defined reads. He's really good against the blitz in his career. Uh, but if you drop, if you rush four, drop seven. Heck, if you rush three and drop eight and make him be accurate, that's kind of proven to be more of the recipe for how to beat him. Yeah, I think so. And I think also when you look at it like that, because they don't, their inability to be consistent running the ball, Kansas City, that is, I think that you do that, rush four at three, you know, and then drop eight, drop seven, because now you now it's got to be a long, methodical uh, drive. And I just don't think they're patient enough, and I don't think they have that. And I think you can get with them. I think you can put pressure with just four. And when you're doing that, like, because their tackles, the inability to hold up against, you know, Nikki Bolsa, you know, and the rest of the crew, I think you put pressure on Mahomes that way, and now he can't get off to those reads and go through his progression. So I look at it as that's what makes this team, this this is why this is a beatable and winnable game for me with the Niners. If Mahomes had an offensive line that was steadfast, that was going to protect, and you had a better offensive line, I would say I would give the edge to Kansas City then because then Mahomes would have time to throw the ball downfield and have guys have an opportunity to get open. I don't think he's going to get to go from the first read to second read to third read. He's going to have the first read. Sometimes they'll be able to get to the second. I don't think – I think the pressure is going to be in Mahomes' face. So that's why I'm giving the edge to the Niners uh, in this game because I think pressure is going to be adamant and I think it's going to be consistent. And I don't think you have to compromise the integrity of the secondary by bringing blitzes and bringing extra guys to get pressure on Mahomes. Well, Mahomes is the standard bearer in the league. 17 touchdowns, four picks. He's completing 66%, which is right in line with his career numbers. He's on pace for 48 touchdowns and 11 picks. But, you know, the 49ers' defense this year has limited the explosives. Uh, The Niners have only given up 52 plays of 10 yards all year. That's the fewest in the NFL coming into this weekend. This is career start number 70 for Mahomes. Um, He's got 168 career touchdown passes. That's the most of any quarterback in the NFL through their first 70 games in the league. Wow. Uh, Is he the best going, or would you rather have Josh Allen? Uh, You know what? Flip a coin. I think both those guys. I would have. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be disappointed either. I think when you look at Mahomes, when you're talking about just a pocket passer and the things that he could do, I give a slight edge to Mahomes. Not much, because Josh Allen. This guy. He's a monster. He's big. He's physical. He can hurt you with his legs. He does everything Mahomes does. Mahomes can throw different angles, probably a little bit launch angles, a little bit more. So I would give an edge to Mahomes. And another guy that I'd put in that same conversation that I think is is not far off. And I think he, you got the same in the same sentence is a kid from. Ken, uh, Cincinnati, the Bengals. I like I like what he Joe brings. Burrow, yeah. Joe Burrow. I like what he brings to the game. His ability to get out of pocket, ability to move. Uh, he's cool, collective. So those are the three guys to me, the young guys. That I'm saying, man, these guys, you know, flip a coin because those guys are winners. Yeah, uh, Mahomes leads the NFL in touchdown passes per pass attempt when under pressure. Well, the Niners are fourth in the NFL at generating pressure on quarterbacks. So you, you got to generate pressure. But you got to do it with three or four. You got to do it with your base. You can't send extra guys because if you give him defined looks, he knows exactly where to go with the ball. They got a three-headed monster in the backfield. It's Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. It's the rookie Isaiah Pacheco, who was a day three pick, and it's the ex-Niner Jarek McKinnon. What do you think of the trio? From talking to Kansas City people, they can't. None of the people who even cover the Chiefs can tell you what are the roles of the three backs. They're literally interchangeable. They are, and there's no real rhyme or reason 
season to when how Reed utilizes them. Yeah, it really isn't. But they have three capable backs of having big days. When you think about these backs, what they do, I mean, they all can they all can hurt you. So it's going to be interesting because I think Kansas City understands what the Niners game is, and that's to play good defense in the pass game. I think Kansas City is going to try to establish a run today. I really do, Larry. I think the Kansas City is going to say, look, we're going to run the ball. We're going to try to run the ball. They're beat up. They're going to say San Francisco. They're going to see what the Niners can do up front. They're going to try to run the ball. They're going to try to lean on them. And then they're going to say, look, if we wear them out, then it's going to make the passing game work. And I think Andy Reid and, and you know, and the enemy, that's their whole concept is like, look, if we lay on these guys, if we can be balanced and run the ball, it's going to pay dividends in the fourth quarter because now we're going to beat up. If you look at what, what that's what Atlanta was able to do run the ball keep it on them keep beating them up and you kind of nullify the pass rush when you when you're when you're able to when you're able to run the ball with consistency so i think kansas city is going to try to run the ball today kansas city lost tyreek hill but juju smith schuster stepped in last week juju five for 113 and a touchdown they also have mccall hardman who can run they have marquez valdez scantling they got the rookie sky Moore. uh but tyreek hill was a true difference maker oh yeah and i don't you know juju is interesting because you got to take right the proper angles on him. Um, the other guys, I think you can muscle. Yeah. I think you can be real physical with Hardman, with Valdez Scantling, uh, with the rookie Sky Moore, and, and, and get them off their game. The big one is is Kelsey. Yeah. Uh, Kelsey's just a monster. He's 33. He's coming off a 100-yard day against Buffalo. He's on pace for 116 receptions and 20 touchdowns. Travis Kelsey is a problem. Oh, he's a problem. You, 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 you know you can't, you just hope to contain him. You can't stop him. You just hope to contain him. And what you got to do with him is that's why you got to try to beat him up on the line. He'll throw you around because he's physical. But you got to put guys on him. Put two got put guys over the top. Your bracket covered so guys beating him up on the line, and then the next guy covers him. So you got to play physical on him because you hope one thousand one, one thousand two that that defensive pressure is going to be on the quarterback. So you got to take him away. And how you take him away is you jam him, even though he's going to be physical. Got to jam him at the line. Then you got to play over the top. So now he's got to beat two men. So I look for that Niners team to say, look, if we can jam him and disrupt him, we cannot let Travis Kelsey beat us. Anyone with him, I think they can handle Juju. Juju's been playing well, but I think that he's the guy. If the difference maker to me, like you already know, is Travis Kelsey, so the Niners got to limit that guy. Yeah, and you got to remember, Reed is a master in the red zone. He is. He's going to give you wrinkles, whether it be wildcat looks, direct Moving snaps, him. motions. Yes, motions, uh, yeah. I mean, he's, he's going he's gonna to bust out the kitchen sink in the red zone, so you got to be prepared for anything. All right, let's flip the card and talk about the defense for Kansas City. They're led up front by Chris Jones. Jones batted down three passes in the lap of Garoppolo in the Super Bowl 54. Um, And, you know, it's just... You know, I mean, what what can you say? Jones is a beast. Athletic. I know Aaron Donald is thought to be the best. Yeah. Uh, you know, th- to me, if there's a game plan against Chris Jones, you run it at him. Yes. You, he's got great pursuitability. He doesn't like to defend the run in his face. You run it at him. I agree. You run at him because he's a little light and behind, like you said. And you got to try to find guys that's going to cut him. You got to tell offensive line, you guys got to cut this guy down. You got to get his hands down. Go at him. Cut him at, the, at his thighs or his knees. Try to get this guy down. Try to get his hands down because he's going to bat down balls. And San Francisco 49ers, you know what they like to do. Cal Shanahan wants to get the ball out of Jimmy's hand quick. He wants to throw those bubble screens, the middle screens, and throw those quick flares out to the side. So you're going to see defensive ends getting up the field, and they want to jump in the passing lane and knock down passes. How do you notify that? you got to cut them. you got to get their hands down. The ball's got to come out. But you also got to ask Jimmy, hey, look, pump, you know, pump fake these guys at times. Get them up.
up in there, and then when they come back down, you got to throw the ball. So at times, I say, look for Jimmy to do some of that because Chris, he's very good at batting down balls. Oh my God, he'll take four or five plays a game, and he'll just ruin your yeah. offense on those plays alone. And then you got Frank Clark coming off the edge. Clark's not having the same year as he had in years past. He's lost a little weight. He was playing up around two sixty. Right. He's closer to two forty-five right now. He's lost a little bit of that bull rush ability. Every pass rusher knows that you you start with your bull rush and everything's predicated off of that, and he's having a hard time establishing that bull rush. I, I think that's going to be an interesting one. Can Kansas City get uh, edge pressure? And Jones may line up at, outside at times as well, and he may stunt from the inside to the outside, but Clark is a guy that's been so difficult for the 49ers, and I know he's regressed, but man, I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah, he's been tough. You know, he's been a, he's been a handful for the 49ers. It's going to be interesting just to see, you know, with the emergence of the both tackles, the Niners gotten the both tackles back up today, and it's going to be just interesting. How are they going to play? And, you know, are you going to have Trent being able to lay on those guys and impose his will? Because like you said, he's physical and maul those guys and wear them out. You have to absolutely run at them and then, you know, wear them out on the passing and run them, wear them out on, on the run game. So it's going to be interesting just what Cal Shanahan, what is going to be some of the wrinkles and the gadget plays that he's going to come up? Or is he just going to line up and say, let's play big boy football. Let's create a new line of scrimmage. We got our guy back. Let's run at them and see if they can stop us. It's going to be interesting just to see what Cal Shanahan, how he did, what kind of a game plan he comes up with to keep Kansas City off balance. Because you know they want to try to get out the passer. They're not great against the run, especially the last couple weeks. And you know in the passing game they can give up a boatload of yards as well. So I just want to see this team be effective, get in a rhythm, and pound the ball, but also be able to throw the ball, be able to be multiversal today. Niners are getting their tackles back. Trent Williams and Mike uh, Mike McGlinchey both yeah. expected to go. And the matchups are with Frank Clark and uh, the rookie out of Purdue, George Karloftis. They're not, the Chiefs are not getting the edge rush that they've gotten in the past. Jeremy Fowler from ESPN had a report this morning that the Rams, the Eagles, and the Chiefs are among teams that have been um, interested in trading for the Panthers' edge rusher, Brian Burns. So with the trade deadline coming up in about a week or so, that's going to be an interesting name. If you could add, if the Kansas City can add Brian Burns to Frank mm. Clark and, and Chris Jones up right. front, now we're talking. Now, the Chiefs also have two stack backers. They're getting one of them back today in Willie Gay, the former Mississippi State star. He had been uh, serving a four-game suspension. You got Willie Gay, and you got Nick Bolton from Missouri. Right. Uh, Bolton sawed off maybe six feet, but both right. these guys run like the wind. Gay's sub 4-5. Uh, Bolton's a 4-5 guy. They both have great instincts. They fly around. They do. Niners are going to try to run the ball, but those two, they, you know, this combo of Gay and Bolton may be as fast an inside duo as the league's, the league's seen. I mean, the Niners have great speed at linebacker, but these two guys for Kansas City absolutely fly. They, they do, and that's why you got to lay on these guys. you got to have those ace blocks and those deuce blocks, those guys when they're coming off, when you're, when you're buddy blocking, traying up to those guys. you got to put a body on these guys because if you don't, they'll be able to run and get off of that and beat you with speed. So you got to make sure that you're laying on them, and the back's got to do a great job, the running back, and you know Christian Will, up pressing the hole. So when your 
you're playing against a linebacker that can run, that's going to make plays, they'll try. They'll can they can run out of the way or wrong shoulder you and be able to make plays. So it's going to be it's going to be very very important for the running backs to step on the tackle's feet, just get right up on them before they make a move because they know now they can engage on those linebackers. Because if you don't, if you try to make a move early, these guys are too fast, they're too athletic, and they'll make tackles. So it's going to be very very imperative that the running backs do a great job of setting up their blocks. It's going to be an interesting uh, day in the in the secondary with the Niner receivers going up against the Chiefs DBs. Let's talk about that for a second. Trent McDuffie was drafted out of UW in the first round. He's been hurt all year. They were some thinking that he was going to come off the IR today. He's been on there with the hamstring, but he's not. So he's out. Then you got Rashad Fenton, the former South Carolina corner. He's out as well. Brian Cook, the free safety, he's out. So they're down some bodies in the right. in the secondary. They're leaning on Jalen Watson and uh, Joshua Williams. Williams played at Fayetteville last year, so he's got to step up in competition. I think there's room in this game for the 49ers if they can protect Jimmy G up front for the Niner receivers, and that might include Christian McCaffrey, to maybe make some big plays against this Chiefs secondary that's really dinged up. Without a doubt, because last week, even when the Chiefs are coming off a loss, you saw Buffalo do exactly what you said. They went after these corners. They played a lot physical, and you saw Buffalo You saw Buffalo expose the cornerbacks and expose the secondary. So look for the Niners to take some of the things that Buffalo did because it was a great plan to stretch the field, to run, to find those holes, find those zones, because Kansas City's going to sit back and they're going to say, look, guys, we don't know how much man we can play where our secondary is kind of banged up. So look for them to play a lot more cover eight, cover four. Look for some zones. They're going to try to mix it up because they are not good enough on the back end to sit there and play a lot of press man and a lot of man-to-man coverage. So I think Kansas City is going to be, it behooves them to play a lot of four and a lot of two deep. So look for them to do that. And then if the Niners can impose their will in the running game, now you got to go single high safety and bring eight, nine guys in the box to slow down the run. So it's going to be very, very imperative that, that you have success running the ball because now you can't keep the the, 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 the the Kansas City's defense can't sit back in zone because of the fact you're having so much success running the ball. So it's going to be interesting, Cal, a, a great chess match by Cal Shanahan, what he's going to do to, to, to really challenge the secondary. That's a great point. I think the Niners need to play complimentary football this week. You got the number one scoring offense in town. You want to keep them on the sideline. That means run the ball. Yeah. Run the ball, dominate the clock. You throw a little bit of Arthur Smith's Falcon game plan that was thrown at your face last week. You throw a little bit on on, uh, Kansas City today. I think that's a big game plan for success for the Niners. The other thing to your point about the secondary, Kansas City's defense is allowing an NFL high nine touchdowns to opposing wide receivers through this point in the season. So they have shown that they can be had in the secondary, and there's big plays to be had there for sure. Now let's take a look before we go to our keys to the game because we're going to take it another uh, another 20 minutes or so. We're going to go to about 10 minutes, 12 minutes after the hour. Of course, kickoff at 125 today here at Levi's. But let's run down some scores and then we'll talk a little bit about some of the action around the NFL. Bengals inter- uh, entertaining the Falcons and the Bengals with Joe Burrow are winning 35-17 to 17 
there is a minute and 16 left to play in the fourth quarter in that game. So the Falcons, who you know looked very impressive last yeah. week, I almost thought looked at them as a team that you can't blow out. Right, but right. man, Cincinnati is putting one on them today in Cincinnati. That's a little bit of a surprise to me. Yeah, Cincinnati at home. They're you know they're trying to get their swag back. They didn't start off well as they wanted to beginning of the season, but now Cincinnati's been playing some complimentary football, starting to get that thing going. So you know Cincinnati's going to be there at the end of the, when when it's all said and done. They're going to be a team that's going to be in the playoffs. They're going to be a team that's going to compete. But yeah, you looked at Atlanta last week and the way that they played. You expect them to go out there and play a lot more better. You play better than what they have thus far against Cincinnati. Uh, the other games, there's five games going on right now. Titans in Nashville beating the Colts 19-10. to What a nightmarish run this year for yeah. the Colts. Chris Ballard's a great hey, GM. Yeah. Wow. I think Frank Reich's a terrific uh, um, you know, head coach. They've got the best guard in football in Quentin Nelson. Oh, they got man. the best no. back, back, uh, back in the game in, in Johnny Taylor. But they just... Inconsistent, Matt, right? Matt Ryan, to me, looks... So old, like you know. I mean, he just to me, he's lost. What I mean, he doesn't have the same arm. He's not nearly the same guy that he was with Shanahan years ago in Atlanta. Uh, they tried to catch lightning in a bottle with the quarterback, and they went with the veteran Ryan. I think it's backfired and maybe set them back a couple of years. It really has because if you watch the Colts and you talk about what they've been able to do at the quarterback position. Prior to that, they brought in Phillip Rivers. They've always had, let me get a stopgap guy. Let me get a guy that we think's a veteran journeyman, that a veteran guy that's had some good years, and let's see if we can just plug a quarterback in and win. And it hasn't paid dividends. They've almost been better if they just start from scratch, get the rookie, get someone good, and groom them because what they've been able to do the last couple of years with quarterbacks that are at past their prime just haven't eluded and haven't turned out good for them. Yeah. Uh, so Titans up 19-10. to 10. And they're closing in on the two-minute warning there in Nashville. Shocker in Maryland. The Commanders are knocking off the Green Bay Packers 20-14. to I've seen rumors in the last 10 days that Aaron Rodgers is going to call it quits at the end of the year. Not everybody can beat Tom Brady and play to 45. Rodgers is in his late 30s. They're leaning. You know, there's a lot of talk that the Packers may trade for Chase Claypool from the Steelers. They're leaning on Romeo Dubs and Christian Watson. They let Devontae go to the Raiders, and man, their offense has regressed significantly this year. It really has, and it's too bad for Aaron A-Rod. Aaron Rodgers has been, you know, the beacon of light for that organization for so many years, and I don't know if he'll call it quit. He's a guy that, you know, you plug and play, you put him in down, you put him in certain places like maybe Miami, you, so you can put this guy in certain places, and I think that he can, you put him in Tennessee with that running game and what they're able to do. I think Aaron Rodgers can go to a lot of places and make that team instant a Super Bowl contender, you know, he was in San Francisco. So when you think about where he's at at this point in time in his career, it's not that Aaron Rodgers is necessarily losing it. He just doesn't have the weapons around him, and it's too bad when you see great players like him, you know, don't have the weapons because it's it's a tragedy because of the fact that he is such a great talent. Yeah. No, I mean, it's very possible that he's just going to wind up with that one Super Bowl, and that's it. Yeah, it, so, it, it is. And by it the is. way, that game is now 23-14 Commanders. Wow. We're inside of seven minutes to play in Maryland uh, in that game between Green Bay and Washington. All right, the New York Giants have the ball, and they're driving against the Jaguars. Jaguars lead the game 17-13, six, six and a half minutes to play in the fourth quarter in Jacksonville. Is that interesting? Because Jacksonville seemed like they started hot, and all of a sudden they went through a little law there. But, well, if they're beating the Giants, the Giants have shown, hey, they're 
They're five and one. The guys love their head coach. I love the way that he coaches. I love his Brian atmosphere. Gable. Brian Gable. Love his atmosphere. I love his just the bravado, everything about him. He's big. He's tough. And he just guys play hard for him. So it's interesting that they're 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 trailing that game. Uh, and then uh, a game that I wagered on, Browns-Ravens. I took the Ravens on the tees, and luckily I teased it because it's 23-20 Ravens lead, and I think the spread on the tees was Ravens plus one. So uh, I don't even have to win. I can just uh, lose by one. Yeah. But Ravens up a field goal now, and they have the ball uh, inside of about a minute to play. So it looks like Baltimore may go on and win that game. But th- you know that's why you never... You, when you see division matchups, you got to put it in a totally separate category. Sure. Why is that the case? It, it's These teams always I, right. play each other tough. Because you're so familiar with each other. You play each other twice a year. It's that good, bad, bless you. Like, okay, I'm going to get them next time. So when you're in a division, you just never know. They play each other so tough. A guy on paper looks like this team should be, you know, Ravens should blow them out. But all of a sudden, now you got a ball game. And it's just interesting watching the Ravens play this year. There's not a game that they probably shouldn't have won, and they always get usually a lead, and they just can't hold it. They can't sustain it. Their defense hasn't been hasn't been well. They were beating you know beating the Miami by double digits, and they lose that game. You watch the way that they've been able to you know they played this year, but in the second half or for whatever reason, they just can't seem to hold you know sustain. Yeah, no, very weird. Uh, Baltimore committed to the run in this game, forty four runs, but only three and a half yards a carry. Uh, Baltimore, I mean Cleveland's running it from almost five yards a carry but they're still losing the game. 23-20 with 24 seconds left. Baltimore looks like they're going to win. They're up three with the ball. So that's the games going on in the morning. And then the afternoon games, of course, this is the best game of the day for sure, 49ers and Chiefs. And then there's Jets-Broncos. Broncos Broncos are going without Russell Wilson. It's ripping at quarterback Uh, uh, for the Broncos. I think the Jets with Robert Sala look terrific. How about Sauce Gardner? Man, uh, can you watch these these Jets? Isn't it crazy how they're winning? I mean, the way that they're playing now, that defense is getting after it. Sala has got him dialed up. He's starting to get more animated because you know what? It's interesting when they're winning. When he's starting to fill his team, you just see that team starting to charge. The Jets are making some good moves, and this is an up and coming team, no question. Raiders today get the Texans in Vegas, and you know I think Josh Jacobs looks terrific. Just looks watching good. the way Jacobs is running the rock. Uh, the Raiders got to get a win. They're one and four, and off to a terrible start. Seahawks in uh, in Southern Cal against the Chargers. Kind of a weird watching the Chargers. Play at home is the weirdest thing. Every team that rolls in has more fans than they do in their stadium. It, it really is. I mean, what's it, that like for a player? It's, it's it's horrible. I remember being in San Diego at the time when the San Diego Chargers and playing the Raiders, and it'd be more Raider fans there. We'd be playing against Cowboys or playing against the Steelers. What do you make more, of the fan base, though? Because it's, it's like when they left San Diego, it's like the people of L.A. said, ah, we don't love you. And the people of San Diego said, we don't love you anymore either. That it, That's exactly right. A lot of San Diego fans have said, I'm done because they left. Yeah, it's really weird watching games. You're right. And when they're playing at home, they're really not the home team. So it's got to be tough. It's tough. And so they're trying to create a culture there. And I know the Chargers are trying to create a culture there, but it's got to be tough because I didn't like it. Yeah, Steelers-Dolphins go tonight uh, in Miami. That should be interesting. And then a couple finals. Bengals are now a final 35-17.
They beat the Falcons. Titans are a final. They beat the Colts 19-10. Cowboys, uh, you know, this game was a lot closer than the score. It was 24-6, the final, but uh, the Lions hung around against Dallas. Yeah, I'll, I'll give, uh, I'll give uh, um, the head coach for the Lions, you know, some credit. I mean, his teams play hard. They don't have great talent, but they play hard. Yeah, I mean, they do. You know, they do. I don't know what, what else you can say. I mean, you know, I'm not sure he's the greatest head coach, but, um, you know, he had me fired up in, in Hard yeah, Knocks. Right, right. Absolutely, absolutely. You, you see them, they are I don't battling. care if you got one butt cheek and <laughs> three fingers, I'm going to kick your ass. That was his line. You I mean, that's a great it. line. That's oh, a great line. You got to love it. Yeah, he is, he's incredible. And then how about the shocker of the day? Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Bucks go to Carolina. They just trade Christian McCaffrey. They just fired their head coach. They're in a full flood rebuild they slapped around the bucks and they beat tampa bay 21 to 3 it's wow that's not good for my fantasy team i got tom brady no and you know it's just it's it's tough watching tampa they're a tough watch right now offensively they can't get anything going defensively they've always been known for their defense they're not playing great defense they're not necessarily running the ball well. The they can't, today they can't run it at all. Brady threw it 49 times. Their lead, the Tampa's leading rusher was the rookie Rashad White at ASU. He had six carries for 24 yards. Wow! What's happened to Tampa's balance offensively? Uh, they they have none, and the offensive line has you know Brady's getting hit more than I've seen him this year get hit in a long time. They can't protect. It's just uh, they're a tough watch. And, and by the way, that was P.J. Walker who beat Tom Brady today. P.J. Walker, 16 of 22, 177 yards and two touchdowns. And then, of course, uh, Thursday night, Cardinals beat the Saints 42-34. Uh, and we were, I was talking before, I, I don't know, you, you didn't see that game, but Kyler just screaming at the top of his lungs at Cliff Kingsbury. Is that a healthy situation for the – I mean, do you look at that as like, hey, boys will be boys, and it's a volatile game, emotional game played by emotional people, and this is just stuff that happens on the sideline? Or is it irregular to see an NFL quarterback just lighting up his head coach? Because if you saw it, I mean, Kyler was just jawing violently at, at Cliff Kingsbury, whatever was going on there Thursday night. I yeah, mean, you, those two guys do not see it eye to eye. And I think Kyler's got to feel somewhat betrayed by the whole contract thing going public. And I don't know, but to me, it's just like, yeah, they got DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, they got a lot of talent. But I kind of put a, just a line through the Cardinals because of the dysfunction in that organization. Yeah, and it, it, it's tough when you, you're your trigger man, your quarterback, when you see them yell and stuff with the coach, it's just not a good look. It's not a good look for your team, especially the quarterback, because it's a quarterback-driven league. And you watch Kyler Murray, you watch the inconsistency. I mean, the guy is, is a talent, but when you put it in contract that you have to be on time and about how much film you're watching and all those things that went in the contract, what does that tell you about the guy? That you have to put that in there to, because you don't believe that the person is going to show up to practice. You don't believe that they're going to watch enough film that you have to put that in his contract. It just goes to organization, goes to show you easy. The organization doesn't hold you accountable because football is something that's a privilege and it's an honor to play. So when you're in that situation, you want to go study as a quarterback because the quarterback has to get everyone else lined up. So when you're not putting in that time and they have to put in that a contract, I think that was doomed from the beginning, brother. I mean, if Nahagin calls us and says, hey, we have it in you and Lowe's contract, 
contract that you guys have to watch the 49er right, game. Right. I'm going to say that's kind of a bad sign. It, isn't that a bad sign? Yeah, <laughs> that's if, a bad, we, if we're not watching the 49ers. sign. Yes, if we didn't watch the game last week or, or start watching the Niners, you're like, dude, <laughs> if you got to tell us that, I mean, it's a horrible sign. So, And that's your franchise? That is the face of your franchise? That's the guy who's supposedly the tone setter. So, I, you know, Arizona, I put a line through Arizona. And then to wrap up week seven, Bears-Pats on Monday night. Pats are a touchdown and a half favorite. Um, I like what I'm seeing from New England's offensive line and run game. Me too. They got the big back Ramondre yeah. Stevenson. They use the fullback. They've got they brought in that kid Strange from Tennessee Chattanooga in the at guard. They they're running the ball. I mean, and they're running. They're committing to the run. Stevenson is a physical oh, back for sure. Kind of guy that you would have loved to block for. And they're doing it with Bailey Zappi. Uh, who knows? They may have what? a quarterback battle there yes. between Bailey Zappi and Mac Jones. What's going on with Zappi? Zappi's playing. He's, and he's, he's consistent. He's smart. He, he's accurate. He's very, very accurate. He gets rid of the ball. He doesn't take a lot of sacks. He's he's a smart guy. He doesn't look I like think, a rookie. No, he doesn't. I like Zappi, man. I like him. I do, too. I really when, like when Zappi. You, when you watch Zappi and just the way that he goes through his progressions and you're watching how they just set him up with the run game so he's able to they're able to run the ball and do play action, I love what they're doing. By the way, you're listening to 95.7 The Game, KGMZ-FM at HD1 San Francisco, always live on the free Odyssey app. There, there we go, go baby. Well, there we go. Get and as Damon Bruce would say, welcome to your 1 o'clock hour. <laughs> <laughs> welcome to your 1 o'clock hour, everybody. Uh, we're going to take it for another few minutes, and, and, and let's get into the keys to victory for the 49ers. We've talked about yeah. you know, week seven in the league. We talked a lot with J.D. We yep. talked a lot about McCaffrey. Got into some of the alums on alumni weekend. And really, I love um, you know talking to some of the ex-Niner oh, yeah. players. I mean, it's just it's great. I mean, some of these guys see. And, I, you know, when I see guys who played this game low, it's like invariably they're walking yeah. around with a limp. Oh, you notice I, that? I mean, no, it's like almost, I, everybody, almost everybody carries something from the game. When you get up in the morning or when the weather changes from hot to cold or cold to hot, <laughs> what? where do you feel your NFL career? Yeah, my neck. It, you know, just getting up in the morning, sometimes the neck, the range of motion, like, oh, let me warm this thing up. It's like, let me shoot some grease or some oil and lube it up. Um, the neck, you feel it in the ankles, you know, my hands, just the hands, especially when it's cold. How many it's, surgeries did you have in your career? You know, I, I've been knock on wood, only had like three, you know, three surgeries in my career. In the what were they? Do you remember? The ankle. I, I tore the deltoid ligament, so they went back into the ankle and they stitched the ligament back to, you know, back to the back to the bone. That did that, and um, and they put a plate in my ankle. That was the one surgery, and then um, shoot, I, I broke my leg again when I was uh, same leg, but up higher. Uh, in Tennessee when I was playing into with the Chargers against Tennessee. So broke my leg twice and had two surgeries. So only two surgeries. And then I had a hernia surgery, you know, several years back, an old football injury. So had but no hernia. shoulders, huh? No shoulders. I, it Seriously, had, man. I, yeah, I, I would have thought the way you would block people that you, you'd have some shoulders. Hey, issues. I did a lot of traps, a lot of neck injury. I mean, I've, I've done so much of the necks and traps. So, had, you know, I've had some shoulder injuries, but no, you know, AC joints separate and all that stuff. But I just let it heal, man. Throw some, throw some, you know, throw some band-aids on it, a little ice and hot water and heat it up and 
Let's go, baby. Let's go. You going with the Ben Gay on? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Oh, what, wait, what, what are these guys? The guys put the, uh, the icy hot, right? I, yeah, or Tiger Bomb, or freaking. Sometimes you do the MS, the, the horse, the Jerry, horse. Jerry horse. doing the Tiger Bomb oh, commercials. Oh, we, we did it. We did everything, but you know, so you have those injuries. So yeah, I still feel them, man. But I, I tell you, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade it for anything because uh, just the fun, man. The, I mean, look at look at the fans out here. You know, out here tailgating, and we're here hanging out and watching people party. It's just something about football, Larry. You and I, you've been around it. You were a scout. You played. You've been around it. You've seen so many things. I mean, we, what could we do? We're, we're grown men. We get to talk about a sport oh, with great. passion that we love. And we're getting ready to head over to the stadium and watch a great football game, Kansas City Chiefs and the 49ers. And, you know, by the way, we're looking out over the tailgate. To me, the tailgate is what it's all about. The experience, absolutely. When, during the Ram game, we were walking through, this, through, yeah. the, ta- through the parking lot, yeah. talking to the tailgaters, yeah. did a shot of Patron, oh, yeah. Krug, we're right. taking pictures, right. we're high-fiving. Right. Right. These are my people, man. Okay. These are my peeps. All right, give me, give me your key to victory. What is the key to victory in our final five minutes here before we, before we uh, hand the reins over and, and head on in for a little 49er chief action? Yeah, 49ers going to have to come out and establish the running game, and they're going to have to be stout against the run. If you're going to play the 49ers, you know the San Francisco 49ers, they didn't do a great job last week of running the ball. They have to commit to running the ball, and they got to run it with efficiency, and they got to make sure that they come off, the, they got to come out smoking. I think you got to have a fast start. I think key to the game defensively, you got to come out and you got to shut down the run. Because I'm telling you right now, the Kansas City Chief is going to try to establish. If you watch that last game, you know scouting, you were scouting, you know what Kansas City's doing. They watched that last game and they said, look, guys, you can run on. If we play physical, that's how we're going to stay ahead on the sticks. The San Francisco 49ers can't afford to let the, the Kansas City get off running the ball. They have to shut down the run. Yeah, uh, there's no doubt. Yeah, uh, you know, I wasn't even thinking of that. as a, I was almost taking that as a given. But you know what? You're totally right. If the Niners don't stop Kansas City's run, they have no shot. I agree. Today, they have to take away that run game. I think the other thing I would do if I were the 49ers, I mean, the Kansas City's allowed 280 rushing yards the last two weeks. Yeah. Um, run the ball. Yes. Play ball control and keep the ball out of Mahomes' hands and out of Kelsey's hands and, and away from Andy Reid and, and make their defense. Defense logs serious time on the field. And then I think you can pick on Andrew Wiley, number 77, and even Orlando Brown, uh, you know, number 57, the the two tackles. Brown's on the left side, Wiley's on the right side. Um, their tackles rank in the top 15 and the most pressures allowed. So I'd like to see the 49ers Get play. After them. Not only that, coordinated stunt games up front, uh, edge pressure off, you know, coming on, on third downs, five-man rushes, six-man rushes. Rushes, all kinds of coordinated stunts. I want to see bodies moving, guys twisting, turning, stunts. I want these offensive linemen have to have, to have their head, head on, on a swivel. swivel. And I want to make sure that Orlando Brown and Andrew Wiley don't know at the snap exactly what their assignment is. Get, create some indecision among those chief offensive tackles, and I, I think like you'll it. get them to false start. Yep. I think you'll get them, you know, they'll make some mistakes. There may be a busted play. That busted play could turn could be a turnover, but ball control, yep. put pressure on their tackles, um, and, double Chris Jones, and what you said, don't let Chris Jones bat down five passes. Right. You have to. Now, 
what is the technique on that? Because how do you cut a guy down when a guy? Because a guy, it's about getting his arms up. So you hit him in his in his solar plexus. Suddenly those arms come down. But there's got to be more to it than that. Because yeah. this guy is reading the quarterback's eyes. He knows when to get in the passing lanes. You know, it's like, hey, the first thing is sack the quarterback. The second thing is get in the passing lane and bat something down. You got to prevent him from doing both today. You, you do, and, and how do you do it when you're main, when you're on your block and you feel him get light? You got to drive him when he's in there. You cut him when he's in there. You try to make sure, or at the line of scrimmage, if it's three step drop, then you got to fire out and get make sure that he puts his hands down to protect his legs. Lyman defensive linemen don't like their legs cut. They don't want to be cut, so they're going to put their hands to try to get get you down. So they're going to use their hands. So if you do that, you can keep him keep him from jumping up and batting down balls. Also, with the Mike linebacker, you want to play some games because you know that if you're you're talking about these tackles, Kansas City tackles aren't as good. So when you what the line's going to do, you know the running back he wants to chip, he wants to help the one and all, he's going to try to help these tackles. But by bringing a linebacker at times, now the line now the running back has the block hey he has to block the block the linebacker. So you're going to create those one on one. So now the running back can't chip some of the defensive ends. So totally mix it up defensively. But yeah, when you're talking about Chris Jones, guys got to fire out and, and cut that guy down. And then when he's trying to jump, you got to hit him when he's up in the air and try to get his hands down. I think if you're Kyle Shanahan, also you use the speed and pursuit ability of Nick Bolton and Willie Gay against them. They're so fast. Set those guys up. Make them the conflict defender. See if they'll take three or four steps in the wrong direction. If a guy runs sub 4-5 and you can get him to take three or four false steps, he's out of the play yep. altogether. So pick on those backers in space. Um, block Chris Jones. Double combo block Chris Jones if you have to. And I think the other thing, 49ers have had two losses this year where they were minus three in turnovers. They cannot be right. minus one, two, or three today and Agreed. win. They have to be even or plus or they're not going to win this game. So taking care of the football is absolutely huge. Oh, it's going to be paramount. You've got to take care of the ball. You can't play basketball on the grass and win if you think you're going to play, play against the Kansas City Chiefs. What do you think for McCaffrey? Do you think he's getting 15 totes today. How many times did he touch the ball, in your opinion? I would say 15 touches and a good 10 of them in the red zone. Yeah, how many catches you think he's uh, I want to throw him at least a half dozen balls. I want to use him more as a receiver than I do as a runner. I yeah. think they got other guys that can run it with. I'd like to see him used as a receiver. Man, that was a fast two hours oh, it was and 15 fast. minutes, man. I can't wait to go with it at ballpark, man. Go check it out. <laughs> hey, that does it for us. Thanks to everybody at 95.7 The Game, Matt Nahagi and Tim Jordan, who's with us here at uh, the Hilton. Make sure you stop by the Santa Clara Hilton. We got the free, ta free tailgate party each and every home game. Thanks to Harris Ranch Beef and Jim Beam, our proud sponsors. Thanks to Chris and Cameron. And, of course, special thanks to JD for stopping by. Great stuff, Lo. We'll, we'll see you against uh, yeah, I'm a the Rams next week. I'm a see at the stadium, brother. There we go. Cheers, guys. Go Niners. Hope you enjoyed the uh, the pregame show. Uh, have a great rest of your day listening to 95.7 The Game. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of colors starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. 
Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle, from the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback. There's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places.